Oh, thank you, Malcolm, and good morning. It's great to be with you. <laughs> I'm now slightly confused by the name tag at the bottom, but I'm not Malcolm Finley. You know that. Just looking on the Zoom window. Anyway, so yeah, great to see you all, and uh, many thanks to Malcolm for the breakfast this morning. Um, I hope you've also been able to eat something tasty and fitting for breakfast today. Um, as we've heard from the Bible reading this morning, we're thinking about eating together. Specifically, we're hearing about a meal and a banquet, a heavenly banquet, is to come. Um, today we're looking at the parable of the great banquet from Luke's Gospel. And um, it's, it's all going to be about grace. This morning we're kicking off a new sermon series called A Summer of Grace. And this is the first of it. Uh, so for all the food lovers out there, you'll be pleased to hear, if you don't know already, that shared meals of celebration are a recurring theme throughout the Bible as a picture of God's goodness and provision. In Psalm 34, one of my favorite passages, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And in Revelation, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And throughout the Gospels, we regularly read of Jesus sitting down, spending time with people, and eating with them around the table. And this is what's going on this morning. So um, do take out your Bible if you have one with you, either in paper form or an app on your phone. I'll just give you a moment to do that. And, and please look from the Bible reading that Malcolm was just reading out at the start of Luke 14. I'll just give you a moment to do that. And so we're beginning at verse 1 here. Uh, do you turn down the page for me? And uh, this is where our story of the meal begins. You see that Jesus is invited around a person's house for dinner. In fact, this is one of the Pharisees, um, the religious leaders of the day. So it says, one Sabbath, that is the Jewish day of rest, like our Sunday today, Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. So the Pharisees were the main religious leaders of their day. And unlike our religious leader, Malcolm, <laughs> who's kindly invited me and anyone else that could have come, around today and has been a great host. Uh, in this case, the religious leaders hosting Jesus, they're not quite so friendly. Uh, he's, he's not been invited around to honour him, but they're, they're carefully watching him and they're trying to catch him out in something that he says. Uh, the Pharisees had many strict rules about how to behave, especially on the Sabbath. These went beyond the laws that God gave to his people in the Old Testament. Uh, they developed a body of teaching that seeks to apply the law of God to every specific situation. But the difficulty of knowing all this, this tradition, its many subtle interpretations, um, it's created a gap, social and religious gap, between the Pharisees as the, the sanctimonious religious elite uh, who consider themselves righteous and the general population in which they would have considered the sinners and people that didn't really know God's law and they didn't really want to follow God. But sadly, the Pharisees have missed the point. They were obsessing over the finer matters of the law and missing the heart of God, which is for people who cares more about the matters of the heart than strict legalism, obeying the law. And the point I really want to make today is that trying to obey the law, doing God's ways, it's good, but it's, it's not good enough. It's, it will not save us. Only grace is saved, will save us, and uh, we only reach God through grace. Grace, God's... Free and unmerited favour is how we reach God, and it's not a matter of human effort. Um, 
so back to our story, we've heard a bit about the Pharisees and how they're all about obeying the law and their strict interpretation of it. At one point in the meal, someone overhears Jesus in discussion about the kingdom of God. Uh, so turn with me down to verse 15. And uh, you see in verse 15 that the man then stands up and gives a customary toast in response and said, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Um, and this was a, like a traditional saying we uh, scholars think probably at, at this time. And there would have been a traditional response to it, which would be something like, blessed is the man who will sit at the feast. Yet Jesus, like he often does when he's telling a parable, he subverts what we might expect. It's, it's, it's not the response we expect to hear, rather than going with this traditional response. He goes into a story, a parable, a story of a message about people who will be at this feast because uh, this man is saying it as like, well, you know, uh, the, the traditional response would be um, being blessed to be there. And then he's like, well, actually, get making people think, who will be at this feast? It's not a thing of human effort. Um, as I was saying earlier, this shared meals of celebration recurring theme throughout the Bible. And this particular feast that was being discussed is echoing a prophecy in Isaiah 25 about God being with his people and it's it's a great feast and it's, it's a, a time of when Jesus will turn and everything will be made right in the earth. I really recommend you check out Isaiah 25 at some point when you have a moment. Uh, but don't turn to it now. Uh, so being basically one, uh, an, another way of saying being blessed to be at the feast is basically saying that these are the people that are God's family that have been welcomed into his kingdom. If you're going to be at this feast, then you're going to have eternal life with God. So Jesus tells the story and makes us think, who gets to join him at the feast? So let's recap from the beginning. The parable of the great banquet. So a rich man, we hear, if you continue to look down me, he prepares a great banquet. He invites many guests. And this rich man, so he probably represents God the Father, and his invitations to the banquet are sent out to all of us. That is God's invitation to follow Jesus. We have all received that invitation. But when the banquet is ready, and when God sends out his servant to go tell their guests, all those invited make excuses why they can't attend. You look down at me at verse 18 onwards. So the first person says, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. The second person, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another, I just got married, so I can't come. In fact, every single person that had been originally invited, they then say they can't make it. They say something's come up. And I understand a bit, the master's angry to hear this. He then sends his servant out to, he wants to fill his house, and to invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. All those who will not be able to offer anything in return to come to the banquet instead. When this is done, there's still space in the banqueting room. So the master says, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. And I tell you that one, not one of those who were invited, that's those who were originally invited, will get a taste of my banquet. So to understand the story, we must remember in first century Palestine, there was no Tesco around the corner. Obviously, markets are available, but no convenient, easy way to buy and store food, no fridges, 
no mobile phones either for quick communication to work out who's free, to host a large event like a banquet, a feast, take a number of days to organise and to get the food ready and everything. So you'd be invited twice. The first time the host would invite you and find out, he's finding out who to expect so he can organise the food and all the logistical preparations and get it ready and it would take some time to do that. If you accepted the first invite, you'd then get a second invite later on, maybe a couple of days later, when the celebration's ready to begin. So the people in the first group, they'd accepted this first invitation, yet they reject it when they're told that everything is ready. Understandably, this would have been considered very rude. Um, if, you, if there was a big event like this, then you'd, you'd clear a couple of days in your calendar, probably, or, or be at least ready for it to drop a thing and go to the event when it you got told that it was going to start, like uh, the master sends out a servant in this case. Yet all the guests make excuses. Um, so these excuses, they, they might sound like they're important things, but if you look at them in detail, they just don't hold up. So the first person says, oh, I've just bought a field and I need to go and see it. Well, in this case, you would not buy a field without going to see it, particularly at this time. It was actually a legal requirement to go look around the field to understand its bounds, its capacity to produce crops, obligations of owning it, um, who you'd have to work on the land, and you'd have to do that with other community leaders in the village or town where the field was close by, so that there'd be no dispute about who owns the field and what you agree to when you're purchasing it. So this first excuse, it doesn't hold up. Same with the second excuse with the oak oxen. A bit like, you know, your, your tractor or your car of your day. They're really important. You wouldn't just buy it without seeing it first. And you'd need to check that the oxen would be able to plough together, that they'd work together, the animals wouldn't fight, that they'd be happy and harmonious and do their job together. So the second excuse doesn't hold up either. And neither does the third excuse that we hear of being married. Um, there would have been a big wedding feast probably, but if you, you'd already agreed to this banquet that someone else is arranging, then you'd have to make that a priority. And I'm sure you'd be invited along with your new husband or wife, but your new spouse would come along as well. So none of these excuses hold up. And that, this reading this got me thinking that sometimes we can be like this, can't we? We can make that initial promise to follow God, but then our excuses can come up. Our priorities can change and we can be like, well, maybe I don't want to follow God today. We can get caught up in other things and forget or maybe even twist or just, yeah, get our priorities wrong about the things of God, a bit like the Pharisees that we were hearing earlier on. We can bring our own agenda to following God. Yet we're encouraged to put God first and Jesus says elsewhere, seek first the kingdom and everything else will then be given to you, that God knows your other needs, and he'll provide them if you seek his first. But obviously, we're preaching on grace today, and the good news is that if we do mess up, when we do, like myself, I'm sure you sometimes get your priorities wrong, that God's grace is always on offer. And I want to argue this parable is primarily an example of God's grace, because really, we're not meant to be in that first group we're encouraged to be in the second group of people that are invited along later on. And these people were invited 
with the expectation of nothing in return. They're being shown hospitality, but they can't show the same hospitality back. They're poor, they're injured. In, in Jesus' society, then there was no benefits, there was no welfare, anything like that. There was, it was, this is purely an act of mercy and grace to invite them along to this banquet in the story that he's telling. Indeed, God really shows his heart that he wants everyone in his kingdom, that he cares about everyone, because he, he, we see in verse 23, he wants his house to be full. He invites everyone. And you see the word compelled there. This is not like force. This is saying to compel them from the streets and uh, the roads to come in. Well, this is this is actually talking about love. And uh, I was reading a commentary on this, and John Wesley said this is not to be understood as kind of religious persecution, forcing people to come to know God or to become Christians, but actually it's through the violence of love, through the power of God's word, and powerfully proclaiming. God's love for the world and his love for people, and that is what should draw people in. So in a spiritual sense, we are all to come to God, like the second group, to, to recognise our own brokenness, our unworthiness, that we, we all mess up. And as we were hearing about before, we can't just obey the law and work our way up to God. That's not possible. Instead, we just have to say yes to Jesus' invitation. We are spiritually poor we've been offered this new life. We just have to choose whether to accept it or not. We're saved through grace alone. And, but we have to make the choice whether to accept that grace or not. So finally, I want to finish by thinking a bit about the difference that this grace makes to our lives. And I think everyone here has already made that decision to follow God. And if you're listening to this and at a later time when you haven't um, then I, I really encourage you to consider making that decision it's the best decision you would ever make but for us that already believe well, what does it mean to know God's grace for us in the week ahead what practical difference might this make to you tomorrow morning as uh, you get up well we love here at Hope Church to have a spiritual practice each Sunday something to live out from the talk and as this Sunday we've been thinking all about the theme of eating, if you've had that good breakfast earlier, or you might have a brunch later on the lunch, but I want to stick with that idea, and we're going to be thinking, my challenge to you today is to feed yourself with God's word in the week ahead, and hopefully you can already do that to a certain extent, and not just on Sundays, but if you don't, this is an opportunity to, to try it out and to make it a priority to receive spiritual nourishment in the week ahead, to have this daily reminder of the amazing grace we have in Jesus, the amazing blessings that he's given us and that we can live out. Um, so if you want to get into the daily habit of reading the Bible, um, I'm going to suggest, as ever, to use the Lectio 365 app as, as one possible way of trying to get into that daily habit if you're not already doing so. There's also many other things out there, but um, I really like the Lectio 365 app because it you can have a little reminder each day to do it. It's quite bite-sized. It's like five to ten minutes reading each day. If you're commuting or you, you, you've got something to do, you've got a late, you can just listen to it. An, it's all on the audio version as well. You don't have to read if you don't want to. Or you can do a mixture of both. So you can, you can even if you're not having the start of the day that you, you planned, you can still find a way to fit it in. Um, so I really encourage you to, to try that this week. Because wait for a quiet time or 
fancy doing something different, you've really tried the Etsy app. There's also another really cool app uh, that I've just learned about recently called Live From Rest, which is a Christian meditation app. And I can share these links on the chat later, but um, yeah, similar thing, but just kind of more topic focused and just shorter little sections. Um, so this week, may I encourage you to spend some time in God's Word and being reminded of this amazing grace that we live in and um, it will help you live it out in your daily life. Um, so let me pray to finish and then uh, I think we're going to have a breakout group, is that right? Yeah, all together. <laughs> There's just a few of us, of course. Um, so yeah, we'll have an opportunity to discuss a bit what we just heard and what you think. Um, so yeah, let's just pause now to pray. Dear Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Um, help us to remember what we have received and not to strive, not to try and earn our place with God, and, but just to freely receive it and to live out in that place of grace. Help us come with open hearts and open hands to you and to do that time again. Um, may we take what we've learned today into our week ahead and have, may you give us opportunities to feed on your word, Lord, and be sustained and spiritually nourished by it. And may you bless our conversation that's to come in our breakout group uh, all together. I ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.